Hi, I'm Dave Bazuki, founder and CEO at Roblox, and you're listening to Tech Talks, a podcast about the people and ideas that are shaping the future of the metaverse. In this series, we'll be exploring some of the most innovative technologies that have emerged in this new category and sharing stories with the Robloxians that are building them. Today, I'm joined by Morgan McGuire, Chief Scientist at Roblox. Morgan leads Roblox Research, which develops new technologies and finds strategies to enhance Roblox experiences. Let's get started. Morgan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dave. It's great to be here. Yeah, so I just want to kick it off, Morgan, if you're comfortable with a little of the backstory and paint a picture, Menlo Park, 16 plus years ago. You're, I've met you because of the amazing G3D library that you made, which is for anyone out there interested in learning C++, it's, it's absolutely amazing. We started gently working together as a, cons- a consulting relationship. And just want to paint the picture of that day, you would show up and out of your bag would come this amazing keyboard, this amazing ergonomic mouse, like, like you were just the goat when it came to ergonomics. Yeah, and you know, I, I have six of those keyboards now. And at the time, it was for RSI. And now it makes me super productive. So I, I, I love finding the right tool for the job. And for me, um, those Kinesis keyboards were were absolutely it, even though they're not portable. So we we worked with you, Morgan, and the very earliest versions of Roblox were running on some of that open source G3D code that you wrote, including your graphics library and your math library, which were absolutely amazing. We um, you then kept on in your studies and went off for a while, did all this interesting stuff. And I think maybe let's touch base a little on the interesting stuff you did before we got back together. Yeah, I had some really great opportunities. And uh, I appreciate that, you know, you and Erica kept in touch with me um, as Roblox was going and, and sort of understood at the time my dream was to be a professor. Um, I got for was for me the perfect job. I spent 15 years at Williams College, um, all the way up through full professor. And that was awesome because just amazing colleagues, amazing students. But I also got to, as a professor, work with tons of different game companies um, because I wasn't in any particular one. And so I could hop between projects. And I, I worked on um, Titan Quest, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. I got to do a little bit of stuff on a, an unreleased Guitar Hero. Um, the Skylanders engine with Vicarious Visions was totally awesome. Um, and some work on the Unity engine as well. And so that was, I just, I learned so much and it was great to be able to contribute to all those um, you know, products that really be loved by a, a large group of fans. Um, and then I had another, you know, more recently wonderful period where I, I left Williams. I went to NVIDIA Research um, doing kind of VR and ray tracing and all that kind of cool stuff. And I've been teaching um, kind of on a part-time basis at University of Waterloo and McGill. And I'm just excited to be back at Roblox. And, and I appreciate um, how much everybody welcomed me here because it's, for me, it's kind of the, the time was right to come back. There's there's super hard research challenges and opportunities. And now it's the best place, I think, for me to contribute to really making the metaverse. 
Yeah, I think there was a pivotal phone call at some point where we were connecting and hanging out. And one of the um, research areas, which is I'm super passionate about, which is scale and how many people can we simulate at the same time in a immersive 3D environment and oh my gosh, you know, how do we do this? And do we need compositing servers and video and all that? And then you started, it was interesting that after 15 years, you had been thinking about this in your own way. And in that conversation, I learned some stuff from you that I hadn't even been thinking about. And I think that's what got me excited about the possibility of working together again. Yes, these these hard problems of, of scale and, you know, originally for Roblox 16 years ago, um, the kind of dynamic simulation and physics and multiplayer, there was just nothing like that, right? So it, it was really this, this extreme technology challenge of the experiences we want to have and we have to solve a tech problem to get there. Um, and then there was all the amazing engineering that's happened to, to bring the company to, to where it is now. Um, but that wasn't really the thing where I contribute, right? It, it was it was that solid engineering leadership that was what was needed. And, and I think folks really delivered on that in spades. Um, and now we're kind of back to looking to like, what's the next generation for Roblox? How do we how do we take it orders of magnitude farther beyond this? And um, that's just, you know, that's kind of a once in a lifetime chance you get to really do things at that scale. It's like inventing the internet or something. Yeah. And for those um, Roblox fans out there who are deep into Roblox Studio and know what a part instance is and all of that stuff, there was a time when I was working with Morgan way back in the, those first demos to see if we could render two to 4,000 moving parts. And at the time, this was on a very crappy PC. And I, I got so optimistic by some of the optimization optimizations that Morgan showed us. And obviously now we're getting into the tens and hundreds of thousands and millions of parts, but it it's a little bit of a forebearer of kind of research at Roblox. So jumping forward now to research at Roblox, Morgan, can you share a bit about the team and the purpose and what we're going to try and do? Yes, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. Um, and we're kind of, as I said, we're kind of at the, the forefront of, of metaverse research. No, nobody's really done that before. Bringing together all these different areas of computer science and, and social science, um, bringing in academic ideas and industry know-how and putting it together. And it comes down to the fact that as a company, you know, your vision, Roblox's vision, the dev's vision extends so far beyond the state of the art of anything anyone in the field knows how to do, right? We, we are dreaming of stuff that people have thought about um, for decades in science fiction, and that's it's just beyond our fingertips now. And so we have to close that gap. And when I think about research in the future, I, I kind of picture this like foggy world with a set of paths that we're on now, that's the present, and they kind of lead off into the fog. And we can see with, with good engineering and product management, we can kind of see the next year or two years out. We know what to build. And it's hard. It's a lot of work, but we know how to do it. Um, and then there's this risk. You don't know if that's the right path. There's so many of them. And so what I think of the research team as is now that Roblox is at that point where we need to think years and years ahead and really take the long view on that, we're kind of like the advanced scouts. And we go out into the fog and we use scientific experiments and methodology to figure out what the best way forward is. 
part of that, and you know, I, I think we can talk a lot more about this, is um, the scientific methodology and the publication process. So sharing results and data and codes that were transparent with everyone uh, in the field about what we're doing and getting external validation feedback, making sure we're, we're listening to the whole community um, to make sure we have the right decisions. And that's, a, you know, that's my high level kind of vision in my head. In practice, what this means day to day is we have 10 or 20 PhD level scientists, um, some fresh out of grad school and some have been doing this for their whole career and kind of an academic style research team at the core, but then working super closely with all the applied R&D teams that we already have in place, the Roblox engineers and designers, and also with external universities and our, our counterparts throughout the industry at other companies to make sure that we're really building the metaverse in, in a scalable, sustainable way that's gonna have this wonderful ecosystem around it. Yeah, one of the, um, I believe one of the compliments to taking the long view um, that we've done over the years is feeling the freedom to tackle really difficult problems and problems that and challenges that have never been done and might take us a few years. And in a sense, Roblox research is a validation of that in that there's a lot of things we're working on right now that are really building the product out for 22 and 23 but we're also starting to think about 2024 and 2025 and some of these very, very hard um, problems. And I think also we wanna have the ability to make a few mistakes along the way, just as we have historically, when we've had many, many other things in the past along that way. Roblox or Morgan, I'm gonna pop some questions out of the blue. I'm sure you've done things in research where it hasn't turned out the way you've wanted. And I actually think that's a really good thing in that we're going to have to do some of that, given the complexity of some of the things we're trying to figure out here. Yeah. So one of the, the key things I, I tell, you know, especially when I'm, when I'm mentoring other researchers um, or working with my team is the failure is sort of an inherent part of what you're doing. If, if you're not, if you never fail, if you succeed at everything you try, you're not taking on enough risk. It's too safe. Um, and so the key is just to make sure that you fail in ways where you sort of fail upwards and forward and learn something from it. So I target for research projects. Um, I want nine out of 10 of them to fail, but they should fail after a week or a month. Yeah. Right? You, you don't invest three years in something only to find out it's not going to work. And to me, that's one of the unique skills that sets, you know, everyone prototypes, right? Engineers prototype, scientists prototype, artists prototype. Um, research is about having that comprehensive knowledge of the field so that you don't reinvent the wheel, so that you build on good ideas and you've built up this sort of intuition and taste for what's going to work. Um, but it's, it's also this really strict methodology for how you get the failures to happen fast and recognize the, the key good piece and then move forward with that. And then that, that one out of 10 things that succeeds, you then succeed so spectacularly with that, that on average, you just have this beautiful risk reward trade-off where you're kind of getting back these 10X, 100X multiples. Um, but it takes a lot of discipline. It's, it's a tricky thing to do. And that's why people go to graduate school and, and train for years to learn how to do this. Yeah, one of the... Um... The, the ultimate of that is the ability to um, do that research 
and experience maybe what a product might feel like without even having to build it. And there's there's an example about uh, a few years ago, we built up a mock-up of Roblox mobile with very complex scenes. And instead of joining Roblox places, we were joining fake videos of them, but we were joining them instantaneously, faster than even a video um, player. And it, I put it in my hands and, and like my hands exploded. It's like, what is this product? Uh, the, this weird intuitive power I felt when I click jump in, and I, I jumped into a radically complex scene and my avatar was moving around. So, so there, there is this ultimate uh, opportunity to mock things up even and, and see how powerful they can be and then go forward with them. And I think um, that can be a complement of what we do as well. Absolutely. And and that is, you know, that is the art of prototyping and, and of design is sort of identifying what's the key part of this that we want to experiment with now and then unconstraining everything else. So, you know, we can use a hundred servers to simulate one phone of five years in the future, because if we tried to actually build the phone and optimize, we wouldn't solve the piece that's our piece. Um, so we identify what's the thing that, that, in this case, Roblox needs to do. And then everything else, we kind of build a time machine by solving it with throwing tremendous resources at it um, so that we can solve our piece. And then it's kind of you know teamwork across the whole ecosystem, not just within the company. You depend on that amazing phone is going to show up around the time that we ship the software for it, that the server hardware will be there when we need to build our data center. And, yeah. and that's kind of how things work. You have to you have to anticipate where the world is going to be when you deliver your impact. You can't build for the world of today because by tomorrow it's already gone. Part of part of the motivation for building, uh, even starting Roblox, and we talked about this a long time ago, is we you know pick your movie, whether it was Tron or Toy Story. In effect, their predictions of what interactive personal computing in a game environment is going to be like some amount of years later. And part of the, um, when I, we were starting Roblox, we were watching these Pixar movies and these other, they were just going, oh my gosh, that's going to be a Roblox in 20 or 30 years. And, and some of that has come to be. Um, so, hey, jumping into research and, you know, for our shareholders out there, what role does research play in future enterprise value? And how does it help us continue to innovate and grow, Morgan? So modern research is, um, like I said, across the ecosystem, but also in the company. It's, it's about dividing and conquering. It's about specializing. Um, when you have a three-person startup, everybody has to do everything. When you have a big team and you start to have thousands of people, you want experts who are going to work together, but who are really going to be the best people in the world for their exact subfield. So you can be as efficient as possible. So within Roblox, we have several folks who have research-like methodology. Um, the fundamental research group that I'm leading, we're focused on opportunities that are up to five years out. So that, that's sort of the longest part of the long view for our horizon. And it's making sure that just like Roblox of today built on tons of great ideas that had already been published in academic research, tons of inventions that we made in-house, um, that's high risk, especially when that's the product team working on it. And so now we have a fundamental team who can de-risk that by making sure that we're continuously feeding those groups the new research. We've already consumed everything up to today about how to make the metaverse. And so we need to make sure that we're sort of feeding that pipeline going forward. 
We also have our applied research groups that look at shorter horizons. So there's no gap between the fundamental group and engineering. Um, and then we have the bulk of the company that's really driving every day the short-term innovations. And each group has the right tools and methods for their risk level and the scope of their problems they're looking at. So I think it's important to view everyone at Roblox as being responsible for innovation. Creating a, a fundamental research group like we did this year um, doesn't that adds to the innovation portfolio. It doesn't take away from all the wonderful things we are doing. And really, research's job is to accelerate what everyone else is doing, both by feeding the pipeline, but also we're coordinating with them. We're supporting the needs of their team. We go out and look at the latest research outside the company and bring it in because that's part of our scope. And we're doing that, that scouting for the horizons. Something I personally really enjoy about this role is that it allows me to be involved in essentially everything at the company because I'm supporting everyone. So I get to talk to the folks in trust and safety. I get to go deep on the data center and the infrastructure. I'm looking at the latest things in AI and graphics. I'm learning from everybody else in the company about their domain and about their workflow. And I'm challenged to find ways to support them and to go out and bring in the latest ideas in the field to help them out with their roles. Cool. Um, well, we're rolling into, uh, I have a really exciting question for you now, Morgan, and um, I already know the answer to it. You shared it at the company meeting, which um, I really enjoyed how you came into the company, got to know everyone and in a way drove the personal responsibility and vision of the picking the big areas you wanted to, to drive in. Can we uh, chat about the, the three areas you've identified? Because these are all super technical and super exciting. Yeah, and this came from a process of, um, you know, I had some ideas, you had some ideas, um, but I wanted to make sure that we were taking advantage of, you know, all the brain power of the entire company. So I spent three months talking to everyone I could, you know, it could be an executive assistant, it could be a DevRel, um, lots of engineers, lots of VPs, of course, um, finding out, you know, what do people, there are lots of things we can do. Like, what are the things that we should do? What are the things that are really the gaps that are missing between the state of the art today and executing on Roblox's vision? Um, and there are some areas where, you know, you might think, uh, for example, I did, I've done a lot of rendering research in the past for game companies. And so it's natural to think we might need some rendering research. And I'm sure we're going to do work there. We're going to do work in all kinds of areas. But that was something that came up as, you know what? Our rendering team is fantastic. They basically know what they're going to be building. Um, they are just limited by the number of hours in the day. Um, they don't need me feeding them new stuff. The community's done a wonderful job on rendering research. Our internal team has innovated. Um, so that wasn't an area, for example. And, th and that came out of really making sure that I was listening to what people needed um, not in terms of what is the vision, but what are the parts of the vision that we don't yet know how to do so I can de-risk those. So the three areas that came out of that were, as you mentioned, job number one is scaling our experiences from today, you know, a couple hundred players uh, per instance to thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. The, the strength of Roblox is the community. It's, it's that it's a 3D embedded social platform. And the more that we have opportunities to put more and more people together, so we can have virtual cities, we have concerts, we have the energy of a full amphitheater, so we can have 
virtual sporting events where you can see the audience. They're not just invisible spectators like they are for uh, esports today, but where they're part of the actual experience. Um, getting that kind of density, it's always, I mean, that that is job one for the metaverse in, in every sort of science fiction vision. And today's technology doesn't do that because these all these problems are, are sort of what's called N squared in, in the community, right? It's, it's combinatorial in the number of players. So mixing the audio, telling every player about every other player's custom avatar, um, all the layered clothing and physics. So figuring out how to do scaling is, that is, that is the first and foremost challenge from which everything else flows for us. Um, and it's very different from anything that, you know, no, no other social network deals with this real-time interactive 3D nature that's unique to Roblox. And no other game deals with the scope and the level yeah. of social interaction and the level of customization. So this is this is a unique challenge to, to Roblox. And I think we are perfectly positioned to solve it. Um, I'm personally leading that one as well as the whole team because I'm just so excited about it. Some, some notions on this scaling one. Um, one could imagine in a concert with 60,000 people at a football stadium, um, doing something with video or something. The, the thing I've thrown out to the team is yes, but your friend on the other side of the stadium is waving a flag or flashing a flashlight at you. So you need interactivity between any of those 60,000 people which I think highlights, you know, that N squared thing where, where this really has to be interactive amongst all 60,000 of those people. So something I, I really enjoy, I spend a lot of time, as, as I know you do, um, actually on the platform, just interacting with the community. Sometimes, it, you know, in, in, as myself, my Morgan avatar, um, and, and sometimes kind of incognito, right? So I, I have alt accounts as well, and I show up as different genders or ethnicities. I speak different languages sometimes to really get a, a whole view of, of sort of what is the platform like and what is the community like. And one of the things that I just love is you meet people, right? It's, it, there's no other 3D, I mean, there are lots of games I play online with, with my friends. There are other sort of, you know, VR chat and super cool stuff out there. Um, but they're all for people I already knew. Roblox is, is a wonderful place to meet people. And so it has to all be real. Like you said, it can't be that we have a crowd that's in computer graphics, we call them billboards, or they're just little painted cards of fake people in the distance. That's how you do in any other, uh, you know, if you're playing a sports game, that's how you, you would do that. Um, they have to be real because I want to be able to go up and talk to any one of them. And we might become friends. We might dance together at the festival, whatever. Um, and that's that's kind of the core of Roblox, right? It's, it's not about... That's right chasing the the latest flashy tech or something it's about making it so it's so the simulation's real so that if you have clothing it moves the way clothing does and you can put on stuff and make outfits it's, it's not just painted on that, um yeah. the, all the physics is real so so i think that's making sure the social part stays real when you scale up is the key they, they're, yeah. they're not fake people those are real people out there yeah that's if you and i are, if you and i are at that football stadium chatting and you put on a jetpack, and three seconds later, you're on the other side of the stadium. You should be immediately chatting with your friend who is waving the flag over there. And that's the difference between a billboard and a full-on sixty-thousand-person simulation. Absolutely, absolutely. So that was so you asked, you asked about all three. That was the first yeah. one. It's easy to get me distracted on it because I'm just. I'm so trying to get you distracted because that's the, this is the really exciting part of our our getting together. 
but let's keep Absolutely. moving it. Well, let me get you excited about the other two. So we're we're rolling out voice chat now, right? So it's, it's in beta among the devs. You, you talked about the plans for it at um, the Roblox Developers Conference. And we've also shown, for example, at SIGGRAPH, the scientific conference this year, um, we showed some of our technology for using voice and face tracking in order to drive avatars. So all about getting more communication into the platform. Well, that's that's huge. That's you know going from mouse and keyboard or, or touch screen uh, with text to all of the richness of human gesture and facial expression and vocal into that that's amazing. It's so much more information that it also increases all of the challenges because we have to process that information. So getting the spatial voice to scale well when we go up, but getting new features that become possible, like if we want to connect the world, the world speaks different languages. Can we use AI to translate voice in real time so that you can have a conversation with someone where neither of you, you don't share a common language? Um, that's another one of these long-time science fiction dreams, the universal real-time translator. We know that there's pretty good machine translation for text right, that I can type into apps. Um, it's slow and it runs server side and it goes off and it comes back. Sometimes it gets it wrong too. Um, and there's starting to be some machine translation for voice, although a lot of it works by turning the voice into text, translating the text, and then turning the text back into voice. But it's all, it's a huge amount of latency. And as you said, for the instant join, and we've seen the same thing for every kind of optimization that, that decreased the time between when you do something in the world and what happens, there's a huge difference between talking and waiting a second and then having a translation in a machine voice. And if we can get under about 250 milliseconds, gets us to a threshold where it feels natural, the conversation we're having now, to have it in your own voice, to have natural translation, to keep all of the valuable moderation that Roblox adds so that it's safe, especially for, for children, um, to prevent all the bad things, but enhance the good things. And then also for privacy, text offers a certain level of anonymity and it's good for role playing, right? So whatever voice you happen to have in the real world, maybe you love it, maybe you don't like it. Maybe at that moment yeah. you wanna use a different voice. You should be able to put on a different voice the way you put on a different jacket yeah. or a different avatar. Yeah, and don't so you I feel everything with voice. Don't you feel when if you um, are wearing the Incredible Hulk's avatar or any other avatar, it's just going to become very common that you get the look, the feel, the motion, and the voice all as one? Because otherwise, a little inconsistent. It feels like Morgan's wearing the Halloween costume, but I can still hear Morgan. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes you want that. Yeah. And sometimes you don't want that. And I think giving that choice to the players and the devs, letting people create new stylized voices, the way that you know you create audio effects, um, I think that's just a whole other realm that's been uh, you know historically underserved in the field because graphics are so powerful. There's been so many advances. I think the same kind of advances we saw in the last 20 years in 3D graphics thanks to machine learning in part, that's about to come to audio. And I, yeah. I think it's just a super rich world and it's so critical to human uh, communication, which is really the heart of social. One very, very difficult problem would be uh, people around the world in a distributed high school choir wishing to sing together 
Can you share with the audience just why that's so, why latency makes that so difficult? And maybe without sharing any answers, share your level of optimism that someday we or someone else might solve that. Yeah, absolutely. So there are lots of kinds of shared experience, lots of kinds of play, lots of kinds of work that are all about synchronizing and coordinating with other people. And one that I personally love is just musical performance. Um, I'm not a particularly good musician, even though I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. But playing by yourself versus playing with a group is it's just a whole other level when you're together. And there's this feeling of nonverbal communication, right? It's the same for, I'm, I'm an even worse dancer than, than I am a musician. Um, but when you dance with people and you're actually kind of in sync and it doesn't have to be a line dance and you know just at a party, but you're all in sync with the beat. And that's another kind of very special form of human communication. And, and one that so far has really not made it into the digital realm because of the speed of light. So there's this problem where even if we had the best technology in the world, if I'm in New York and you're in San Francisco, it's going to take light, the fastest way we know to transmit information, the fastest possible way, you know, fraction of a second, a second to get across the country. And when, and when it's not just light by itself, but fiber optic and routers, um, regardless of what the software is, there's no way to have something happening on one side of a continent and something on the other side communicate because we're both seeing each other slightly in the past. And if you had an intercontinental telephone call or if you've done a Zoom call just across a couple of time zones and tried to sing happy birthday to someone, you hit this problem where because everybody is slightly in the past for everybody else, there's no way to even delay yourself to compensate for it. So I think it's a super hard problem. I'm also really optimistic that it's one that we could start to solve. And part of the reason I think we can solve it is that if you look at the history of all real-time simulations, games being one, um, but this happened with, with flight simulators, with, with all different kinds of technology, um, they had the same problem. <laughs> you're, you're trying to do something in sync with another player in a 3D world. And just like all other games, uh, in Roblox, there's all kinds of ways that you can sort of anticipate what's about to happen. And dead reckoning is, is what's called the simplest version. That's what flight simulators use, where they just project an airplane along its velocity so that the information lines up with what you expect to see at the right time. And then there's a lot more sophisticated ways of doing it, where you can anticipate maybe it's a car and it's on a road, so it's probably going to turn. So I need maybe not just the first derivative velocity, but I can put the acceleration in and I can put the derivative acceleration and keep going up. So I think if, if we could do something like that, like compute what's, what's the moral equivalent of the first derivative and second derivative of dance and of playing guitar and singing happy birthday, um, I think it may be possible to solve this problem. It might be a five-year problem, might be a 10-year problem, but it's one we're really excited about because that co-experience we want to bring out. Thank you. That's awesome. Hey, what's your third area for um, research at Roblox? So the last one is, I say that we're building the metaverse. You say that we're building the metaverse. Um, but really, we're, we're kind of building the meta-metaverse because we build the tools, and then the devs and creators are the ones who are actually building everything that you experience. And finding ways to empower those creators even further than what Roblox Studio does today um, 
At the Roblox Developers Conference, you recently announced Open Cloud, which is a way of kind of opening up to new tools and letting people make their own tools for Roblox. And I think we need to figure out what is, you know, what are the next 20 ideas past Open Cloud in terms of APIs, ways of making AI technology, which is great for um, both classical kind of procedural content generation. So the way our terrain tools work today, we can generate a sort of quasi-realistic tool using algorithms that have been around since the 70s. One of the earliest ideas of like how to use fractals to make terrain. Um, I think, you know, computer science has come a long way since the 70s. Fractals are still super cool and super useful, but there's some new ideas as well. So letting people work at a much higher level when they're creating. Um, my ultimate vision is, is going as high as you can. So I imagine um, you go to a playground and there's two kids talking to each other about the game they want to make. And one says, oh yeah, and there's a castle and there's a dragon and a spaceship and the, the queen in the castle, she flies in the dragon and she goes, and just take that straight up conversation. Can you in natural language, because if you explain to a human, they get a picture in their head of what that game is and they understand who the characters are, what the world is like. So why shouldn't you be able to tell a machine the same thing? In natural language, just go out and explain, here's the experience I wanna create. And then it'll have the non-player characters can role play themselves, it'll generate the geometry, do all the 3D rigging and animation. And maybe that's the first draft that you go in with more traditional tools like we have today and tweak. But I think making it so that truly anybody can create an experience in Roblox, that's where I'd like to be. So that's the third challenge. We had scaling experiences, we have enhancing communication. And the third is empowering creators with just the most high level abstract 3D tools and, and programming models that we could imagine. Yeah, one of the hopes uh, when people think of Roblox right now, they think of a self-service UGC economy where creators make the places we go hang out. And we've started with open cloud and with studio plugins starting to open up the, the tool set that creators can make. I'm super hopeful that as we research these areas, we'll be building out cloud ML services, cloud AI services, the schema for the digital stuff that will start to wrap our creator community into the scenario that you described. So be fun to compare notes on this one, Morgan. I actually could believe the scenario you just described is something we research, but ultimately someone from the Roblox community builds out that system for verbal description and creation of a place. I'm I'm kind of optimistic. Do you think it'll be us or one of our community building that? So everything about Roblox, and this is this is one of the things that I think has made Roblox really unique in the field and, and certainly in the metaverse space. Um, historically, and this is what you know I, I learned from you, every time Roblox thought we had to do something, um, we discovered sometimes, you know, very intentionally and sometimes by accident that the community was so much better at creation than we were. That, um, and, and partly it's because the community is just so much more diverse than any one company can be, right? Our, our company, we have people from various places and backgrounds, but, you know, we're, we're one company, a couple thousand people uh, in California, you know, um, 
and 180 countries of people who are, you know, some of them are five years old and some are 85 years old. And that's just so much more creativity than we could ever bring to bear than any one company could. And so every time Roblox has stepped up a level of meta and said, we need to prototype the first version ourselves just to figure out how to get it working for you guys. Um, but then we're going to just let you have the tools and create the infrastructure so that you can collaborate, so that you can be rewarded for what you create and put out in the world. Um, it's kind of gone beyond our expectations. And so I, I think absolutely everything we do, we're going to start by prototyping it. We're going to put out a reference implementation. But ultimately, it's about having our reference implementation be sort of the straw person example of here's how you access the API. And then every time that we open up the APIs more and more and focus on just making our backend and the platform totally rock solid, that's where I think the, the magic happens. So I think for many of these, it's going to be about taking graphics technology, distributed systems technology, AI, natural language processing, and wrapping them in APIs that make them really accessible. Right now, you need 20 years experience to, to access any of those things. And so that's, that's why we have to build it. But I think the magic of Roblox is taking those things that used to require master engineers to get at and making it so that anybody can explore them in, in kind of a fun and friendly way. Um, so absolutely, for I think for all the creation, I want to figure out what are the pieces of AI and graphics tech that I plug together and then tell somebody, go wild. You figure yeah. out what to make with this. I'm not I'm not the artist you are. That'd be absolutely incredible. Um, okay, so we've got these three big areas and now as we get into guiding the work and diving in what approach like how are you thinking about going forward so there's i mentioned that the research has sort of a really strong discipline and strategy right it, it's not just you try stuff it, there's a very specific way that you learn to to evaluate ideas and move forward um our approach here at Roblox Research has, has three key ideas. You choose challenges strategically. So just like we said, when you build the time machine of, of simulating something, you, you figure out what's, what's the piece we're actually experimenting with and then everything else, solve it by brute force while we're prototyping. Choose challenges that way. Figure out what is the piece that if we could just solve this one little block, um, the rest of the, the wall we would know how to build together. Um, these are super high risk, uh, but proportionally high reward areas. Um, we're working on stuff that most people think is just barely possible that, that, that others don't want to work on because the chance of success is so low, even though the, the reward is so great. So those are things that no one else is going to do. We're going we're gonna to get in there and do those. Um, our planning horizon is about three to five years out. And that's, that's not, we work on the idea in the lab for three years, that's we solve the problem, we publish some papers, we get the community involved, we figure out what the right thing is, we work with engineering, we work with trust and safety, the communications team, and within three years from when we had the first idea, the community is actually seeing the benefit of it, right? We go on stage at, at RDC and say, guess what we made for you, let's see what you can do with it. Um, and this notion of, of uniquely positioned. So it has to be things where there are a lot of problems where some company is going to solve them, and that's great. And for many of those, we don't need to be that company if it isn't a, a piece of the puzzle that's unique to Roblox. So we have 
our space that we work in, the social 3D space, we have the civility, we have the community, the economy. We want to solve problems that Roblox is the only one who could solve them, and Roblox is the only one who could deploy them. So something that takes advantage of our strengths. Um, so we're not in competition with the sort of the rest of the research community. We're each choosing the things that are most valuable to our own company. So number one, strategy. Number two, teamwork. Um, cool. Engineering, science, it's about it's the Apollo program. It's about people working together to build things that are just so far beyond any individual ability and that will, as a result, outlive us and, and just change the world in the future. Um, the challenges of the metaverse are enormous. People have dreamed of this for, for decades. It's about connecting the world. It's kind of the ultimate um, human expression. And that can only be done with so many people, both inside and out of the company. So strategy and teamwork. And the last is just the extension of teamwork, which is engaging the outside scientific community. Roblox is always about engaging the community. And usually we mean the players, the creators, the devs. Um, in this case, it's about academic scientists, about professors and graduate students, in some cases, researchers at other companies. Strategy, teamwork, and engage externally. That is how we approach teamwork. Hey, for there's been so many um, amazing companies that have done amazing research. I can think of times at Disney, times at Apple, times at NASA, you name it. Each of them had a, a certain, you know, general body of the types of people working on their problems for for research at roblox what would you say the the people you're looking for are there any commonalities of the people you're looking for definitely so first of all we have this this process of you know choose the strategic challenges teamwork and engage well every researcher has to embody that in themselves um, they have to be somebody who's going to choose challenges within distributed systems for all of our, our networking, connectivity, and, and cloud. Uh, machine learning as just you know one of the most exciting new revolutions in computer science. We want to make sure we find every way to capitalize on that for our company. Natural language, because so much of what we do is about communication. So processing text, processing voice, tying them together, tying expression in and everything around 3D content synthesis because Roblox is ultimately about social being this notion of, of presence, of really being there, of, of navigating in 3D, having it be real and intuitive as a human being and not something that is just abstract. Um, for engaging the community, a huge part of that is just publishing as a scientist. Um, academic peer review, is just the toughest intellectual arena I know. Um, it is extremely hard. You know, I can go to a meeting with lots of vice presidents at Roblox and I can tell them about my great idea and we're all on the same team. So they say, that's great. We'd love to see you do that. Um, for me to convince a scientist at another company <laughs> that my ideas are right when they're, you know, they're kind of frenemies, right? Those are, those are my rivals. We're all trying to invent the future um, if I can convince them that my idea is right, if I can convince professors at different schools around the world, it's a good chance that it's probably right. That, that adversarial process is the best thing we know for making sure you get it right in science. Um, going out and presenting those ideas at conferences and you know, having people ask you the tough questions on stage, um, all of this is, is really essential to engaging. 
Uh, I've also kept, and, and thank you for allowing me to do this and allowing me to extend this to other researchers, my academic affiliation. So I teach a class every year. I advise uh, graduate students at McGill and Waterloo. And that's really about growing the next generation of scientists and bringing in all kinds of new ideas. Again, getting outside of the walls of the company and making sure you're exposed to all the best of the world. And that's really how you maintain that engagement. And then for teamwork, to be an industry scientist, you have to be a good communicator and collaborator. There are great scientists who are not great communicators, who like to work alone, um, and you know many famous people who've done that. That's not what industry research is about. Um, you have to have enough real engineering knowledge to work with engineers and production and kind of understand how your inventions will get rolled out. And you have to be driven by the idea of sort of subsuming your own ego into building these things that you just can't do by yourself. It's the, the only way you can get to that is, is sort of putting the community, the company and the team ahead. And that's how you do, I think, the greatest science and, and get it rolled out quickly. Cool. Um, well, hey, maybe a fun one to wrap everything up. And that would be um, to the extent you can share, Morgan, your personal vision on where this is all going and how far out you're thinking. And maybe, you know, when, when I think of timescales, um, I sometimes think of pop sci-fi. You know, there's a Ready Player One timescale. There's a Matrix timescale. There's a Black Mirror timescale. And depending how far you out go out, the technology gets less intrusive and, you know, cool things happen. Um where, like, how far out are you thinking and what kinds of things, when you think of your vision for where this can all go, are you in a five-year, 20-year, 50-year, kind of what's your sweet spot? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, like you, I was, I was motivated by and just love all of that kind of science fiction, right? Um, in a way, I, I enjoyed them as stories. Um, I don't want to live in the world of <laughs> the Matrix or Ready Player One because they're dystopian. Yes. Um, so there's this, this beautiful technology vision there, and then also a cautionary tale of what would happen if it, it wasn't developed well. So I think, first of all, one of the exciting things about being here and one of the reasons that you do have to think very long term, like, like longer term than what we even know how to build or what we're going to ship, what we're going to research, is that we want to make sure we get it right. We want to make sure that we're building a utopian metaverse. Um, so it's important to be aware of both the technical vision and ask how to bring it to life, and then kind of the, the values and implications so that we can make sure that when we design that work, we've really thought it through. We're not just throwing technology out there um, for the sake of technology, but that we understand how does this sort of build the community and, and help the world. And in terms of how far ahead, I think, so I want to see the impact from our work land about three to five years out. Um, you know, specifically if somebody shows up and, and says, um, you know, I'm working on anti-gravity or, or even some technologies that are, that are less exotic, um, like quantum computing, I would say that that's not right for Roblox right now. That that's that's not a problem that we're going to change the world with in five years. So you should think about that, but that's not your day job at Roblox. Um, but honestly, I, I think many, many years out beyond that because of all these implications and because of the motivation. So there are a lot of technologies where everybody just takes for granted, right? Even you know, full body immersive telepresence VR, 
everybody just kind of assumes that's going to exist in, in 50 years, maybe. So the, the sort of thing you see on, on Star Trek, where somebody just kind of, you know, their hologram shows up, talks to you, it looks real. Um, same with the universal translators we talked about, right? Like, I, I think we can do something really good with that in the next couple of years, but I know it's it's a 50-year problem to just perfectly nail it. Um, and then there's other stuff that, you know, isn't our field, but like, renewable energy 100% right just you know really getting to a sustainable place um robots as, as sort of you know co-equal citizens in our world so all, all the you know great kind of Isaac Asimov and and lucky kind of stuff um so i i think 50 years in the future in terms of these things that everybody takes for granted because somebody has to build it <laughs> and and i hope that will be that for a lot of these um and what's interesting is that Nobody thinks that any of those are going to happen soon. If I said to someone we're going to build it, they would tell me it was impossible, even though they're they're at the same time taking for granted that it's going to show up. And so I think my job as a scientist is, is to help connect the dots between, well, it's impossible today and you're sure it's going to exist um, in half a century. So how do, we got to get from here to there. It doesn't happen on its own. And so I ask the tough questions about, you know, what do we do? today to get to a year from now to get to five years from now which is our product horizon but not to stop at five years from now but so that we're going through that point at full speed because we're always thinking five years and 10 and 50 ahead in the vision and I, I think to do a good job you have to simultaneously be imagining how do we run the metaverse when it's going between the moon and the mars colony and earth and we have flying cars on Earth. Like you're, you're thinking about this wild science fiction stuff um, without losing the grounding in, I have a kid who's on a hand-me-down four-year-old cell phone. How do I give them the best immersive experience? There's something I can invent to hide the latency, to improve the graphics quality, to you know make it safer for them to, to integrate with society. And I think all those timescales are important, but we definitely at Roblox always want to take the long view. And research is one of the, the best places, I think, in the field at Roblox to think about the long view for the metaverse. Morgan, I would, from me and from the Roblox employees and from the Roblox community and the creator community and our shareholders as well, I think it's a resounding thank you for coming back to join us. So it's been wonderful to hang out with you today. Awesome. Thank you, Dave. It's been great to be here. Thanks. That's all for this episode of Tech Talks. Thanks for listening. To learn more about careers at Roblox, visit roblox.com forward slash careers.